my friend, are listening to Come On Man, a 3% Man podcast. I'm your host, Paul Bauer, and I am on the road to being a 3% man, just like you. If you're new to the show, this is a podcast for fellow students of Cordy Wayne's book, How to Be a 3% Man, and for men who just want to be better in general. We talk about dating, gaining wealth, being happy, and using the law of attraction to get everything we want in life. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Come On Man. If you haven't done so already, you know the routine. Make sure to like, fave, subscribe, hit those notifications. If you're listening on an audio platform like iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and you know, actually write up something about what you like about the podcast. It actually helps more than you know. This week, guys, uh, was, a, was a real treat. And my guest is Dave Glazer. Dave is a certified strength and conditioning specialist out in Denver, Colorado. So he's sort of in my neck of the woods, except for about five hours away. He's the host of the Challenger podcast. And he had me on his podcast uh, several weeks ago. And we did a live session. We talked about the, the nice guy syndrome and stuff like that. It was, a, it was a great episode. So definitely check that out. And I wanted to have Dave on because he's an expert on attachment styles and attachment theory. And I've had people ask me to do videos on TikTok about attachment styles. And frankly, I'm just not an expert on that. So I was like, man, this would be great to have a guy on and actually walk us through it and you know the psychology behind it and stuff like that. So Dave does a good job of doing that. And uh, I was really excited to talk to him. So I will bring you that conversation right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm not sure what you're doing tonight, but what I'm doing involves a bottle of Carvassier and a lady. Well, maybe not the Carvassier, but definitely a lady. If you're like me, you're tired of expensive, girly-smelling colognes from expensive department stores. You don't want to smell like a little bitch. You want to smell like a friggin' man. That's why I've partnered with Duke Cannon. Duke Cannon has a wide range of men's grooming products that actually smell manly as hell. My personal favorites are their Naval Supremacy Bar Soap and all of their awesome smelling colognes that women love. I have several of their colognes for different days of the week, but my Saturday night cologne is Grant because it gets the job done, if you know what I mean. Right now, if you visit duke.comeonmanpod.com, you get free shipping on orders over $25. Using duke.comeonmanpod.com tells them I sent you and you get free shipping. Win-win. Again, that's duke.comeonmanpod.com. Don't smell like a little bitch. All right, with me this week is Dave Glazer, a certified strength and conditioning specialist. He's also the host of the Challenger podcast, where Dave talks about the Enneagram, attachment, and relationships, among other things. What's up, Dave? Hey, Paul. Good to, good to see you again, man. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's weird because at the time of this recording... 
because all my stuff is in a space-time continuum, you know. <laughs> uh, at the time of this recording, it's like I feel like we've just been talking to each other, like you know, every you know, a couple times per week because right. we, I did your podcast and, th- and then we did the live and now we're doing my podcast, but mm-hmm. you're going to get sick of me, man. Nah, nah, you're a good guy. <laughs> you're a good guy. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you didn't know, Dave had me on his podcast a little while back and he and I discussed the nice guy syndrome. So definitely go check out the, that episode of the challenger podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, But today I brought Dave on to talk about attachment styles. I've had people ask me to do videos and episodes on attachment. And frankly, I just, I don't know enough about it to really, Mm -hmm. you know, I I could bullshit it maybe, but I don't want to, I want to be genuine. So I thought I'd have Dave on. He seems to know a little bit more about it. And I thought that would be a a, a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a really good approach, man. If, if you're, uh, on the cusp of familiarity with any topic, well then let's go find an expert. Let's go find somebody who um, who knows more than I do. And that's pretty much how my story got started with the podcast is like, I don't know what I'm doing in relationships. I'm screwing up left and right. Let me talk to people who know more than I do without, you know, hiring them as my therapist and talking to them weekly. You know, I want to, I want a wide variety of opinions and along the way, I just really connected with a lot of experts on attachment theory and use it as a self-awareness tool now. That's great. Yeah. I mean, in, in my podcast too, it's, uh, it's funny because I get on TikToks, you know, I get uh, people sending me messages, asking me for advice and stuff, and I'll give them what I think, but I don't, I don't consider myself an expert at all. I'm definitely not a dating coach. I'm, you know, I'm a podcast host. Uh, so I like having people on that are experts. You know, I like having dating coaches on, I, I like having authors on and stuff like this. Just, it helps me learn and it helps the other guys that follow the podcast who are also students learn too. So I, I mm-hmm. just think it's great. Um, so Dave, can you give us a little bit about your, your background and maybe some of your education? How, how'd you get into this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I started my career as restaurant and hotel management. And then 2008, the the industry bottomed out. So I went back to school for exercise science. It was an area that I'd always been passionate about. And I also wanted to show my daughter that it was really important to pursue what you were passionate about. You know, if finishing college is your route, then yeah, let's get passionate about it. Let's finish it. And, and uh, finishing college gave me options. So I started my own business about a year after I graduated. And after about six or seven years of coaching, primarily women who were gravitating to my um, coaching style, really empathetic when I approach clients and a good listener and um, just really grounded at the time, I started noticing that they were having a lot of relationship problems. And when they were free to discuss it in our sessions of like, hey, what's coming up in your life? They started seeing better results because they were processing what the body was holding on to mentally and emotionally, and they were able to shed what they were holding on to physically. Mm. So that kind of that kind of got me more interested in um, what's underneath and how we can tie the physical, mental, and emotional um, pillars of health together to help our clients get better physical results. Got it. So you so you do, you don't just do like physical coaching and like, you know, p- getting people pumped up in the gym, you, you do, it's, it's well-rounded. Yeah. I bring a holistic approach to my coaching style. 
oftentimes clients are just using the online workout programs that are that are pre-recorded and I send them to them automatically. They're using those, but when we connect on a weekly basis, we're talking about what's coming up in their life that's holding them back in general from reaching all of their goals. Got it. Okay. So what have you done? Uh, I imagine like going to school and getting certified in strength and conditioning. Um, I mean, I, I can imagine what kind of education that might've been, but like, what did you do to educate yourself in sort of coaching people on like uh, more of a psychological level? Right. Uh, that's a good question because we want to make the distinction that I'm not a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, Enneagram coaching is where I focus. And that's an extension of the physical coaching certifications that I have Mm -hmm. because understanding ourselves through a tool like DISC or Myers-Briggs or astrology or the Enneagram Mm -hmm. is a really great way to build self-awareness, which is an awesome tool to have in your toolbox when you're like, why am I not losing this last 10 pounds? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's, it's a limiting belief that I was ingrained with as a child And that's why I don't believe in myself enough to push past this last 10 or 15 pounds, or I want to, I want to squat more, or I want to perform better at my sport. Got it. For, uh, for people not listening, what, can you explain the Enneagram just a little bit? Sure. Yeah. I'll do a brief overview for you. Um, There's nine personality types when it comes to the Enneagram. Um, I find that my challenger personality type is really accurate. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. You're a three otherwise known as the achiever. And we talked about that on our podcast episode Mm -hmm. and it just nailed me to a T, but it didn't necessarily put me in a box. It showed me what box I was already in, like psychologically. Okay. What belief systems did I have that I was taught that keep me in this box and be, um, being less of an integrated individual. Mm -hmm. And that word integrated is really the foundational principle behind Enneagram coaching is how do I integrate more of my physical, mental, emotional, financial, and spiritual health into my whole being so that I can perform better across the board? Got it. Okay. Uh, what's Enneagram uh, seven? What's what's that one? The enthusiast. The enthusiast. Okay. Because remember, so on, on your podcast, we were talking about it and I said, the, the, my only experience with the Enneagram is I dated a gal uh, last year sometime for a hot minute when I was just getting into this stuff. And like, I blew it because, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, but she was way into Enneagrams and she, and I just remember she was an Enneagram number seven. Right. And, and I was they like, they invented FOMO, like fear of missing out. That's that Enneagram type is like, Oh my God, I have so much FOMO right now. And that shows up in relationships too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She was, uh, she was interesting because she, she had this goal. She was, uh, at the time when we were dating, she was, she was 39 and, um, smoking hot, not that it matters, but she had this goal of, uh, before she hit 40, she wanted to go skydiving. You know, she was really big into like, you know, surfing and water sports and doing all this you know, fun stuff, but that was like a bucket list item. Like, okay, I gotta, I gotta go skydiving when I turned 40 and stuff. And I was like, that doesn't sound, that doesn't sound fun to me, like at all. (laughs) But I feel like an enthusiast would be into something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They can oftentimes show up as a thrill seeker. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I relate to that a lot because the, the seven and the eight sit right next to each other on the crown of the Enneagram. And I am very enthusiastic about intense activities. Mm. So I, I may actually show up a lot like an enthusiast because say like personal growth. When I first found the Enneagram, I'm like, shoot, this is my window into my soul. This is going to help expose and show shed light on my shadow. Mm-hmm. that part that we don't see on a daily basis, I'm going to intensely and enthusiastically go into that shadow. Yeah. Okay. Can you touch on shadow a little bit? Cause I've had people talk about doing shadow work. What does mm-hmm. that mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, shadow work is very in- important if we're looking to integrate parts of ourselves that we're not aware of. So um, my personal coach, my, my group coach, he works through um, he works with shadow work. So I'm, I'm very familiar with how the results can show up in our lives, but let's just say we're, we have a lot of shame around something mm-hmm. and let's just talk about finances. Cause it's really important to the masculine to be um, aware of their financial health. Right. Yeah. So if I have shame around my financial status or my financial security I, and I want to avoid it or ignore it, I'm going to stuff that shame into the shadow. Mm. And then in order to work my way through it, I've got to shine some light on that shadowy part. Okay. I think that makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of like an abstract concept, right? Yeah. It's it's more of an analogy or metaphor than it is literal, right? Uh, Yeah. Essentially, we're talking about what's stuffed down into the subconscious that we're ignoring by choice. That you're trying to forget (laughs) about. Yeah. Got it. But you can't forget about it because it'll pop up and- yeah. Like in nice guy <laughs> syndrome, we have, we have leaky energy that comes out of us. And I, I think that nice guy syndrome and, and the attachment theory is it goes hand in hand. They, they overlap a lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's a good segue into uh, attachment theory. So just, just doing a little homework before this episode, I, I did some Googling and I, I sort of had heard a little bit about this stuff, uh, but there's basically Four attachment styles, right? Um, you want yeah, to- four for four for our co- topic of conversation today, and yeah. technically there's six. Okay, um, but we don't need to touch on the extra two. Maybe we can if there's time. <laughs> if it applies, yeah. Look, there's like, like we're trying to fill up an hour here. Four might not do it. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so the first one I wrote down is the secure attachment. I feel like. Uh, that's sort of the goal, right? Like everyone should like, that's the healthy sounding to me. It it sounds like the healthiest. Uh, that's where you're, you're confident. You, you feel safe. Uh, you're, you can set appropriate boundaries. You're comfortable or you're responsive. Um, I, the only like tidbit really of, of attachment theory that I, I I've ever really touched on in any of these books, I think is, uh, the book atomic attraction, has like a blurb about it. And they, they're like, you know, roughly 75% of people or so have a secure attachment style. Um, Mm. I don't know. Do you, do you want to expand on secure attachment style? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say, uh, deeper into the research more accurately, half of the population is securely attached. Okay. Only half. And yeah. And we'll go into why here in a second. So sure. If, if the securely attached description that you were just reading off of resonates with you, that's great. If it didn't, there's hope. Like 
we're all aiming towards what's called earned security in a relationship. Earned security. Okay. Earned security. Yeah. Like it takes work to feel secure in a relationship. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. Yeah. And, and that's what they mean by in earned security. So uh, we have all three, four, six attachment styles within us. Uh, one of them just predominantly shows up more often than the others. And I like to think of the main three, uh, securely attached, anxiously attached, and avoidantly attached as like polar opposites. Okay. Uh, sec- secure sits in the center of like a pendulum swinging back and forth, right? Mm. Grandfather clock and its pendulum. Secure sits in the middle and then anxious on one side, avoidant on the other. And our pendulum can swing back and forth through all three attachment styles, depending on what's showing up in our lives. Mm. Like if, if I refer back to my financial shame and I'm experiencing some shame around my financial security at the time, maybe my anxious attachment style will show up in relationship. Mm. And I'll start to get clingy and needy with my partner and depend on them more because I'm feeling insecure about my financial status. Okay. I, I guess I could see that maybe. Why do you think people might feel uh, more clingy with their partner? I, could see, I, could, I guess I could see maybe, um, and maybe this might sound sexist or whatever, but I can see maybe a woman feeling uh, anxious with her partner if she doesn't feel financially secure because she's relying on them to maybe take care of them. But I guess if a guy mm. loses his job and his wife's working too, maybe that's the case too then? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I think we can narrow it down even more so and, and kind of tie this in with um, some nice guy syndrome. So mm-hmm. let's say that the masculine in the relationship is the breadwinner mm-hmm. and the feminine in the relationship is feeling anxious about the financial security in the relationship, she's picking up on that masculine energy. She's almost like uh, subconsciously tuning into the lack of security from her partner. Like she's insecure about his financial status. Yeah. Not her own, right? Mm -hmm. Um, because, Because in 2021, a dual income family is ideal. Like it's really expensive to live out there. Mm -hmm. And if that masculine energy is showing up with some anxiety or like some nice guy syndrome, because he's insecure about his financial status, well, then that can activate an anxious attachment style in the partner. Okay. So not so much like gender specific, but more about like, um, more about energies passing back and forth within the relationship. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm listening to uh, David Data's book right now, the the way of the superior man, mm-hmm. and um, he talks a lot about masculine feminine energy, and and he's he specifically says it in the book, like, look, the way I'm going to write this book is masculine men with feminine women. He's like, but yeah, you, you can have masculine energy in any type of relationship. He's like, you know, same sex people know it yeah. the best, mm-hmm. right? They have you know, <clears throat> femme and butch and whatever, sure. you know. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it, it, that exists in lots of different relationships. So, but yeah, 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 definitely. Okay, that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. So okay, so you talked about secure and anxious. Uh, anxious. So they list out these qualities: um, emotionally volatile, fears rejection, anxious and clingy, romanticizes people, seeks reassurance, 
and I, I put it in my notes here, definitely me before getting into this stuff. Like I was, right. I was a needy guy, you know, right. I needed mm-hmm. to know that uh, everything was cool in the relationship. I needed to know that I was, you know, I always wanted to be around my girlfriend, you know, it's, I just, I just want to be in your space right now. And it, it was probably really annoying. <laughs> and, and totally relatable too. I, I feel as if you're touching on something that's really important that comes with both nice guy syndrome and attachment theory mm-hmm. is that like, once you're aware of it, now you can, now you can face it. Like, yeah. I don't want to say, I don't want to say manage it because it's a team that manages um, our, our regulation in a relationship. But once the, once yourself or, or me, I could totally relate to what you're saying. When I became aware of my nice guy syndrome that caused me to be clingy and needy. Okay. Well, the psychological principle behind that could be an anxiously attached person, mm-hmm. an anxious attachment style. And that's how they overlay and they cross over with each other. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It, that's, that's what I find fascinating about this stuff is um, it offers more of a deeper explanation than some of these other concepts, you know, like uh, for instance, I, I, I talk a lot about, you know, red pill and stuff in my, in my TikTok videos. I don't consider myself a, a red pill guy though. And, and a reason why I don't think that is because I don't think it's so black and white, you know, like they really make it seem like women are this way. And I'm like, some women are this way, some are this way, and it's all because of various factors. And I think a lot of it does come into some of these attachment styles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that um, you've told me at about two different points in your life where before you uh, were aware of these things showing up in your relationships, you uh, behaved like a nice guy. And maybe that anxious attachment style was a part of the relationship. And now it sounds as if like you've earned security through self-awareness. And that's a tremendous amount of work that anyone can accomplish. So kudos to you, man. I well, I like to think so. I, it's, it's definitely a work. It's 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 a work in progress, and and uh, and I feel like, I feel like this stuff is stuff that you can't ever, you can't ever get complacent on. You always it's a it, you always have to put the work in. You always have to be aware of this stuff. And some people might think it's exhausting, but I think it's worth it at the end of the day, not to fall back into old habits that, you know, really cause bad results. You know, I think it, it, at the end of the day it comes comes down to what kind of results do you want? Mm-hmm. And I want, I want good results. So <laughs> um, you mentioned also uh, you said avoidant. Now, now I've, I've written down uh, they have dismissive and fearful. And I saw another chart that says dismissive avoidant and fearful mm-hmm. avoidant. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a difference there or yeah, those are the subcategories. That's the extra four um, that we were talking about. So like oh. four, five, and six. Okay. So uh, securely attached people make up about 50% of the population. Okay. So when your audience is talking about um, how how they always see the same people on dating apps, well, securely attached people get snatched up out of the dating pool quicker than the other types because they find other securely attached people and they build healthy connections and foundations in the relationship. So they're no longer in the dating pool for us to choose from. An anxiously attached person, there's about 25% of the population that would be categorized that. Mm -hmm. And then 20% of the population is avoidant. 
And then 5% of the population is that um, what's called disorganized attachment. So you'll get your, you'll get your dismissive avoidant, your fearful avoidant, your um, sociopathic, psychopathic, and narcissistic within that 5%. Mm. You know what? Uh, if you watch enough TikTok, you would think that a hundred percent of people were narcissists. Uh, I hate that. Like, I, I, what do you feel about that? I see so many videos on, and if you make a video and you put hashtag narcissist on it, it's going to go viral because like mm-hmm. everyone's into it. They think like everyone's ex is a narcissist. I really just feel like that that word's thrown around too much. Some people are just jerks. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> not everyone's a narcissist. I don't. Know. What I- do you think of that? I I agree that that term gets thrown around very loosely Mm -hmm. and uh, it's a projection from myself onto other people when I use that term, because every person has narcissistic tendencies and it's rated too. I've heard that too. Yeah. And and it's rated on a scale of one to five on a good day. We might have one, uh, uh, a level one narcissistic tendencies like, Oh, I'm going to put, um, I'm going to put myself first when it comes to this job application process. That would be a narcissistic tendency. I'm being self-centered for a moment in time. Like today, I'm going to show up as the best applicant that they're going to interview today so that I get the job. Right. Because you want to sell yourself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. On a bad day, I, I don't think like people who are not narcissistic personality disorder, which is only diagnosable by a psychiatrist or a clinical psychologist, right? They don't have good days and Mm. general population like myself and yourself, when we have a bad day, we're not at the five level of narcissism. Mm. We might creep up into like two or three on the, on the, on the scale of narcissism where we're really putting our needs first. Like, let's, let's talk about sex for a moment. Uh, somebody with narcissistic tendencies and they're, they're putting themselves first might show up in the bedroom as like a three. And what that looks like is like not asking for consent, Mm -hmm. not asking for, um, not honoring your partner's boundaries Mm -hmm. of like, I'm just going to take what I want tonight and not give back to my partner. Yeah. That doesn't make them a narcissist, but it might give them, uh, the kind of the shine of an, or not the shine, but like the presentation of a narcissist. Yeah. Whereas it's just, it's just a guy with narcissistic tendencies who's being selfish in the moment. Got it. So you're saying um, like average people like us, probably two or three. So you're saying I need to step up my game. Like if I, I want to get to that number, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, 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 no. Cause then, cause then p- when people stitch your videos, they're going to hashtag right. narcissist and be yeah. really accurate. They're going to take it. this out of context when I use this as a clip. <laughs> Please do. I want to see what happens. Yeah. Oh, I will. Oh, I yeah. Will. Yeah. You know, I, I actually, <laughs> throughout, throughout the course of recording my podcast over the last three and a half years, uh, I've interviewed counselors and therapists and authors, just like yourself, you know, seeking out people who knew more than I did. Yeah. And one of my, re- one of my regular guests is somebody I trust. And I got some feedback from somebody I was dating once and she called me a narcissist. And so I call him up and we're just having a conversation about business. And I'm like, Hey man, personally, <clears throat> would you say that I'm a narcissist? Yeah. He's like, no, Dave, you have empathy. Uh-huh. And that's one of the key components of a narcissist technically by the, the personality disorder is that they have no empathy for other people's situations. Got it. Okay. All right. 
I do have some empathy. I do. <laughs> so you're saying I got to knock that off in order to get to that five. Just kidding. I, I, <laughs> yeah. If you want to be a five on the scale, then just cut out all empathy whatsoever. It's, it's goals, brother. It's goals. You, you know, it's funny. Uh, just take a, I mean, it's, it's related. I mentioned atomic attraction before. And when you get to the, you get to like the end of that book. Have you read that book? You should read not, it. No. You, you might find it interesting because that book really talks a lot about psychological studies and stuff like that. Like why women are attracted to various things. And you start getting to the, like the near the end of that book, he starts talking about dark triad traits. And he says that's narcissism, socio, sociopathy and Machiavellianism, I think. Okay. All right. And he's like people that, you know, have uh, aspects of those traits for whatever reason are usually found more attractive. And it's really interesting. And he started like some of that stuff he, he talks about, like how to do, uh, uh, what is it called? Like dread game type stuff. I don't know if you're familiar mm. with dread game where you, you basically start doing things to make your partner feel like they might lose you, you know? Mm. And it's like all this stuff to try to build more attraction and stuff. It's right. just like, I, I read this, I read that in the book and, and I love that book, but there's parts like that in the book where I'm like, that's some toxic stuff, man. I, I don't, right. I would not recommend that to anybody. Right. Um, <laughs> I think you, I think you actually really bring up a good point there that um, if somebody is super attractive, they're going to get positive feedback that will increase their self-confidence, maybe to a level that resembles a narcissist. Mm. And I was listening to a really good podcast episode with a doctor the other day on this topic of like, yeah, they're positively reinforced to become more narcissistic. Does that make them a narcissist? Maybe. Is it a learned behavior? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think that um, the pickup artists in a game, the pickup artists, um, I don't want to call it an industry, but it was definitely sold as an industry for a long time. Yeah. A lot of narcissists might actually gravitate to that industry, that environment, because they're like, oh, I can get better at being successful and succeeding with uh, the opposite sex. Sign mm -hmm. me up. Let me learn all the tricks and tools. Yeah. One, one thing, because uh, I do study pickup and, uh, and that sort of thing, it's, it's very interesting. It, a lot of it is about spiking emotions, getting the other sex uh and, and I, you know it's usually men picking up women uh but it's getting the other party to spike their emotions to build that attraction you know to get them basically sucked in mm -hmm. quick the problem mm -hmm. with pickup artistry is it's only very good for short term you know mm -hmm. it's great yeah. for it like if you just want to like sleep around great it's great for that but if you yeah. want to have long-term relationships, it's trash. Like you need, <laughs> you need to learn lots of other things, you know, like, right. like, like attachment styles. And stuff. Right. Yeah. I hear you describing a two, a three or a four on the narcissistic <laughs> tendency scale <laughs> when yeah. we're talking about pickup artistry, that short-term benefit, long-term unfulfillment. Yeah. Like, like you were describing. I, I mean, at least it, it, to each their own, I, I say though, you know, I mean, there's some guys, that's all they want. That's their goal. And I'm like, cool, cool, man. You know? Um, but that's not me. That's not me. I like being in relationship. I like having a partner, you know, and 
you know, but, but different strokes <laughs> sure. for, for different folks. Sure. For sure. Yeah. It sounds like for a period of time, uh, a man could get his needs met, physical needs met, mm-hmm. and uh, it could boost his ego. Uh, the one thing that I found about pickup artistry and what the, the, that environment teaches is a lot of confidence. It's really focused on confidence and confidence is a really good thing. Let, let's take it back to an interview process. Yeah. If you walk in there with no educate, uh, no awareness about who you are and what you can bring to the table, you're not going to be a very attractive hire. Right. And so we could, we could lend a lot of uh, the things that we learned from pickup artistry to our self-confidence in general. Yeah, Definitely. Definitely, you know, and, and the whole dating process too. I, I had a video where I was talking about this and I had some some woman just get bent out of shape about it. But I was sort of talking about how, you know, dating, especially, you know, like if you're spinning plates, which I advocate for, I think, you know, while you're dating, you should date multiple people um, until you find, and for me, until you find that one person, you know, because otherwise, uh if you're just get that sniper mentality where you're just dating one person at a time, it, you, it sucks. It sucks to date. And a lot of people hate dating because of this process, but you, you date one person, you go on a couple dates, you're thinking everything's going great. They're not feeling it. Boom. Shut down, ghosted. They don't, they're not feeling it. They, they dump you or whatever. Now I got to start all over again. You just do mm-hmm. this. But if you, if you're dating multiple women at once, some will come, some will go, some will stick around. And it's like, at that point, you don't really, it's like, whatever, you know, oh, yeah. she goes to me, whatever. I've got other two sure. other chicks I'm talking to. It's just, it's more of an efficient way of dating. And I likened it to sort of like a sales funnel. And I was talking about how, you know, dating is very much like sales and there's lots of sales techniques and stuff that you can actually use in the dating process you know, and oh man, some lady got bent out of shape. Like, please, Mm -hmm. please don't describe women as a sales opportunity. It's like, it's, it goes both ways though. You know, like you, women really should be selling themselves to you too. You know, some women go into it, like they don't have to do anything and that's just a terrible attitude for them to have. So, right. Yeah. What I, what I hear you describing is options. Mm -hmm. Having options is healthy for everyone so that they can make the best choice for themselves. What comes up for me is I do like to keep my pool of dating smaller. Um, I've been a business owner for 10 years now, and I've always been on a budget. And so dating multiple people at the same time is a great strategy if I can do it within budget. So I'm, I'm recalling a time in my life when I had a very full life, right? Uh, My career was going very well. Um, I was satisfied with my friendships. Jujitsu was a priority for me. So all of these things that were a part of my life that were important to me were, were what I would consider options. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it just so happened that a woman came into my life that I'm like, oh, she is a, uh, she's an option right now, but not an option when it comes to multiple women. Mm-hmm. She's an option when it comes to complementing the rest of my life with it, my career, my finances, my jujitsu, my daughter, and then my friendships too. Mm-hmm. And, and so if somebody's not really comfortable with, with dating multiple people at the same time, they can consider all of the other thing that makes up their, their bountiful life, the life that they love as those same options that you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Um, 
Getting back to uh, attachment styles, though, we we went like way off on a tangent. Uh, it's it's all related, though, man. You it know, really, it really is. It really is. Uh, okay, so so I wrote these down. Um, can you? So what are what are the uh, like the main attachment styles? Is there there's only how many? Let's call them. Let's say four. So secure, okay. anxious, avoidant, and then disorganized. So that disorganized, disorganized includes um, your dismissive avoidant, your uh, fearful avoidant, which I relate to most, and we can talk about that if you'd like. And then the other few um, personality disorders that are clinically diagnosed. And then there's another one, anxious preoccupied. So that would be one of the others that subcategories that you saw show up. Okay. Um, essentially dismissive avoidant and anxious preoccupied are the intensified versions of anxious and avoidant. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause I, Cause I know you, so you mentioned avoidant and disorganized before. And I was like, that's not what I have in my, my notes. <laughs> so I had to, I had to kick it back to that. So, so dismissive and fearful are a part of avoidant. I would correct? consider, I would consider them closely related. Although the category would just put them in with disorganized attachment. Oh, really? Okay. Which makes, switch up makes, makes up about 5% of the population. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And so, so under my notes for dismissive, which is dismissive avoidant. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm learning here. I'm learning here. Yes. Uh, so, That's what we're here to do is to educate, right? Yeah. So I have, uh, they, they struggle with closeness. They withdraw. They're over independent. Mm -hmm. They're emotionally distant. They're unresponsive. Uh, mm -hmm. To me, that sounds like like a recluse, like, you know, like all the people that were really excited about the lockdown last year and they're like, <laughs> finally, like, this is our time to shine. Like, I don't have to go right. anywhere. Uh, right. Is that those type of people? Well, there's certainly a difference. I, I like your, uh, I like your train of thought there. There's a difference between an introvert, introvert yeah. and a dismissive avoidant. Okay. A dis, uh, an introvert basically just uh, does not need social interaction to feel energized. Uh, they actually get drained by it. A dismissive avoidant really has it come into their experience, their life experience and their relationships when intimacy becomes close. Mm. When they feel a partner become very close to them, then they react by pulling away, mm. by becoming that recluse, by like becoming overly distant and independent. That's the difference there. I dated a gal like that last year. Yeah. Actually, it was the well twice we ran into each other, two separate occasions. But uh, yeah, she was like super cool at at first, but when it seemed like it might get serious, she just completely like shut down, and it was just like, what the hell happened? It was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen, and mm -hmm. I and I could tell that she, you know, the second time she came around, it was like she's clearly had some some issues right, in her past, right, you know? Right. And so huge red flag for me, but <laughs> yeah, that's where, that's where it comes from. Uh, when you and I recorded on, on my podcast and you were talking about nice guy and Dr. Glover talks about the trauma that nice guys experienced in their childhood, very similar to attachment styles. Mm. They get formulated in our life experience, whether that be a major life event like trauma or continuous smaller life events like little t trauma over and over and over again. So I would completely agree with you that a dismissive avoidant person 
might have a life experience. Uh, maybe she was recently divorced and it was a tumultuous divorce. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe there was a death in her family recently that could give it short-term dismissive avoidant and not necessarily fall in that category all the time. Mm. Um, okay. So for the most part, she would be experiencing securely attached, but because of life circumstances, that divorce or that death in her family, she just went to dismissive avoidant for a short period of time. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes sense. And she, she did, uh, go through a divorce and, and her ex was a little bit crazy. Um, you know, I, she would probably describe as a narcissist. (laughs) That was, that was going to be my joke if I could interject it. <laughs> oh, so we're I on stole the- <laughs> your thunder. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it, it sounds like we're on the same page with uh, with coming in with uh, callbacks and jokes and things like that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good team. Um, <laughs> so, so then I have, so I had fearful in my notes. That's also an avoidant, avoidant yes. Um, and so- Yeah, let's, let's touch on that for a minute or two. Yeah, so uh, I have here that, uh, fearful, uh, fears connection. They have poor boundaries, extreme responses, and they're emotionally hot and cold. Mm. That sounds like bipolar people maybe, but it actually sounds a lot like me. So I'd like to touch on the fearful avoidant because I resonate with it so much. Okay. The, the, what comes up for me when I talk about fearful avoidant in my experience is my attachment style becomes very polarized with whatever attachment style my partner has. So let's just say that I'm dating somebody avoidant. Mm -hmm. I will actually um, swing my pendulum over to the anxious side because of that polarity. Okay. If I'm dating somebody anxiously attached, my fearful avoidant is actually going to swing to the opposite end of the pendulum and become very avoidant. So that's what they mean by like extreme responses to intimacy. Oh, okay. Got it. And okay. I re- I relate so much. Um, I'll just give you a little window into my world. I, I knew somebody who lived in New York city and um, we had met once when she was here in town in Denver and uh, we started flirting. We started talking. We started doing virtual dates at the beginning of shelter in place last year. And then we decided to meet up, you know, like halfway. Okay, let's, oh, you're staying in Arkansas. But I'll go down to Arkansas. You know, business is going well. It's all remote right now. I can be flexible. Well, the first day that I get down there, she love bombs me. And Can can you explain love bombing a little bit? I hear that word a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So we had had five or six dates before I went down there. We knew that there was a connection and that we had some common interests. The night that I got there, you know, uh, we went to dinner, we had sex. And then she says, Dave, you better watch out. I'm going to fall in love with you. Wow. Okay. And real, real, clo- real soon. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the first amount of time that we spent together, basically like a first in-person date. Yeah. There's that, there's that falling in love terminology. So that could sound a lot like love bombing. And while it didn't necessarily like, yes, it was a red flag, but it didn't necessarily shut me off to the possibility that we can work through that because it's all about self-awareness. Sure. What ended up happening over the course of the weekend that I spent down there is that our attachment styles just flared up and Mm -hmm. they became very extremely responsive to one another. So when she love bombed me, that was the anxious attachment showing up, which caused my fearful avoidant to swing to the avoidant side of the pendulum of the spectrum. And 
okay, so I start to pull back. And when I pull back, I stonewall and I shut down. That's mm-hmm. my response. And when she felt that, it just pushed us even further apart. And so after the, we haven't spoken again since the weekend, mm. because it was just this ultimate blow up. Uh, I cannot speak for her experience, but when somebody love bombs you and they don't get that response that they're <clears> looking <throat> for, then they start to become in a tumultuous state, you know, and that's another extreme response on, on one of the other attachment styles. Got it. Okay. That, <clears throat> that would be uh that would definitely be a red flag. I, I want to say, uh, do you do you follow Evan uh, with performance potential at all on TikTok? I I do enjoy his stuff. He's so calm, man. His demeanor yeah. is like, <laughs> yeah. Evan's a good dude. He's been on the podcast, and Great. he and I he and I <clears throat> chat occasionally. And he did a video the other day on uh, the differences between red flags and deal breakers. And he's mm-hmm. like, red flags are definitely something that you, you shouldn't ignore and you should pay attention to, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the end of the relationship necessarily. He's like, but a deal breaker is, you know, like, okay, she did, she did, let's say drugs. And you're just like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a total, you know, straight edge guy or whatever. You're like, that's it. I don't, I don't date drug addicts or drug users and stuff like that. Like that's a deal breaker for you. Um, so yeah, so like that, like, yeah, someone's saying, you be careful, I might fall in love with you. I would see it as a red flag, but I'd be like, eh, let's see where this goes, for sure. <laughs> but you're saying like uh, that that weekend, you were just like, whoa, like you pulled back a little bit and then she didn't get that re- the response from you. And so then it was just like, oh, let's let's just shut this thing down or? Yeah, it it escalated and escalated and escalated. And I totally agree with you that red flags and deal breakers are something to become aware of when we're setting our intentions for dating. Mm-hmm. What do we want to get out of our dating experience? Is that just hookups? Is it casual sex? Is it casual dating? Is it a long-term relationship or is it marriage? It can be any one of the five mm-hmm. and the principles still apply of like, just get clear on what you're looking for. Yeah. And by, by getting clear with what are our deal breakers, really helps us navigate who we meet so much easier. Like that, the the opportunity to eliminate options when they're not the right fit for us because we're clear on deal breakers and, and um, deal breakers and red flags. Yeah, it simplifies our experience and it makes it a more enjoyable experience overall too. It definitely does. And I like what you're talking about, uh, dating with intention. Um, I don't know, if, did we talk about this at all? Uh, in the, like one of our lives, I feel like everything's a blur <laughs> lately. Uh, but yeah, like in Dr. Glover's books and in Corey Wayne's books, he talks about writing a list of what you want and what you don't want, you know, and, and really pay attention to what you do want so that you focus on that. It's kind of like law of attraction type stuff. Uh, and then what you don't want, those are your, those are your deal, deal breakers and, you know, keep, keep those in the back of your mind so that mm-hmm. you don't, overlook those when they happen, but, mm-hmm. but that dating with intention really makes the difference on the dating circuit. You know, uh, people laugh when I say dating circuit, but it really is. And, but when you, a lot of people hate dating, they get so jaded when it comes to dating, like they get rejected or, you know, they go on dates and they get catfished and they just want to give up. It's like when you date with intention, you know, like you're, you got a goal set in mind and like nothing phases you. Okay. This date didn't work out. No problem because they weren't for me anyway. And it, it, and when you do that, it, it's a game changer. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. What I hear when you describe that is, is really a grounded, present, masculine energy mm-hmm. and with a lot of detachment there too, which is a healthy thing to have. Um, I equate it a lot to the interview process. Yeah. When I, when I go on Indeed, I'm like, oh, this job looks great. Look at all these benefits. And I apply and then I don't get called for the, the interview date, right? Mm-hmm. Remember, this is an analogy. So, yeah. oh, I don't get called for an interview. Well, you know what? Uh, on to the next. There's another job down the fur- down further on that page of Indeed. And we're not negating that we're dating human beings. Mm-hmm. But when we're approaching our dating experience a lot like the interview process, we can let go and detach from the outcome so much more easily. And it makes for a more enjoyable experience like you were describing. It really does. It really does. People get so, people get so, and I used to be the same way before I, I, I started applying these types of principles. Um, and my life has changed because of it. But when I used to go out dating, I used to be like, oh man, the dating pool is so shallow. I hate it. Oh, the dating apps suck. And when I changed my mindset about it and I was like, you know what? No, there's always new people coming on the dating apps. There's always someone else. It doesn't matter. You know, oh, this week, maybe the maybe there's not a lot of people on the dating app, but there's going to be some the following week. Who cares? I've got other mm-hmm. things to do to fill my life with. It, it's just changing that mindset will change everything for you right? when it comes to dating. Um, so, so, okay. So I wrote down avoidant and disorganized because I didn't have that in my notes. Let's... I mean, and, and we and some of these are related already, right? So we sort of have mm-hmm. talked about these, but I mean, what's what's special about avoidant and disorganized? I guess let's touch on that a little bit. So the avoidant attachment style will appear to be somebody like they don't text back right away. It might take them 10 to 12, 24 hours to text you back. <clears throat> that mm-hmm. That's a typical avoidant behavior where they don't want to get too close too soon you might date them once a week or every other week. And uh, that could be frustrating for an anxiously attached person, but not so much for a secure person because they have other options in their lives, right? Mm -hmm. An avoidant tendency is to, this is going to go a little deep, but it's important. They're going to have an ex from their past who they can't get out of their mind. It's called the phantom ex. Mm. And this phantom ex is something that they hold on to in their psyche and in their shadow that prevents them from becoming too close to their next partner, therefore reaffirming or reinforcing all that they've learned about intimacy up until this point. And I can relate. I I have a phantom ex that that holding on to an ex from my past prevents me from becoming close to somebody in the future. Mm. And when I'm aware of that subconscious behavior or tendency, then I can actually do something about it. God, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It may I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna think that every time I read some of the comments in my TikToks because some of these guys are just uh, it's funny. I get I get this too though where where women will be like, "Who hurt you, bro?" And it's like, <laughs> you know, uh, but but I see comments like that, and that's my immediate reaction too. Is like, "Bro, who hurt you?" You know, and it's yeah. like, oh, they're probably avoidant attachment <laughs> because of a it's ex. it's possible. I I was thinking about that earlier today. And it's because you get those commenters on TikTok or any other social media that are going to negate your experience. Mm-hmm. And when we, when we see somebody holding on to that little T trauma or big T trauma, 
it's not ours to decide how hard it was for them to experience. Mm-hmm. When we acknowledge that like, hey, it sounds like you were hurt. Was that recent or was that a long time ago? When we approach somebody with this grace and compassion and under a, a, a desire to understand their experience, then it makes them like, oh, wow, this feels safe to me. Maybe I can actually process that trauma and move beyond it. Yeah. That's why counseling and therapy and group work is so beneficial for people who have, who are struggling when they're dating. Got it. Okay. So don't be a jerk to them in the comments. No, I was- <laughs> I, and I'm usually not. I'm usually not. But a lot of times when people like fire off in the comments and stuff, I'm just like, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to reply to that, but. Right. And you, <laughs> you don't have to, it's your, it's your experience on TikTok that, that you yeah. can, that you you're in charge of You're the only thing you're in control of is how you respond and, and uh, what you choose to do with it. Right? Yeah. But I, I like, I like how you, uh, you said that, wow, you know, it seems like you had a, you had an experience there, you know, right. was that recent, you know, like, right. Cause then yeah, that comes across more compassionate for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, in my get more first flies month, with honey, you know, <laughs> right. Right. That's exactly it. Uh, in my first month on TikTok, I've only been there a couple months, you know, and, and I do enjoy my experience overall in my first month, I was sharing my breakup story, my breakup experience of like, this is the grief that I'm going through right now. Mm-hmm. I feel like TikTok is a safe place for me to do that. And I got one comment that said, oh, so you decided to jump on TikTok to find your next girlfriend. And I sat with that for a while, for like five or six days. I'm like, what's coming up for me when I read that? Mm-hmm. And so I replied, you know, it's you select a comment, reply with a video. And I approached it in this way. And I said, you know, I can completely understand why you would think that, that somebody who has gone through a breakup recently would go to a dating app or TikTok or Instagram to seek out uh, something that either is going to distract them or fill that hole that's just gone from them because they went through a breakup recently. Mm -hmm. And while you may think that, and I can understand why, that's not why I'm here. Mm -hmm. I'm here for this reason instead. I'm I'm here to share my story because eventually somebody's going to come across it and it's going to help them process their own grief. Yeah. That's a good response. I would have been like, F you, but just kidding. And that's why right. I got, that's why I got banned. So, <laughs> and she, I'm going to comments... take notes from you, man. Just <laughs> yeah. I, how not to get banned. Right. Being passionate. She, she, yeah. she engaged, she engaged on that video. Yeah. And it was an opportunity to turn a negative, a possible negative into a positive. And actually we both got to learn the, in, in the experience Yeah, of like, I met you with compassion and understanding and empathy and you were able to understand my experience a little bit better. And now we can part, we haven't spoken since, but now we can part ways with a, actually a clearer understanding of one another. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that. There are people that are totally on TikTok though, trying to find a partner. And I think, I personally think that's a terrible strategy because the people that are following you are all over the country, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're mm-hmm. very rarely like, connecting with locals, unless you're in a really big town. Yeah, you could use a hashtag, hashtag could, Denver. You could. Yeah. yeah. But, but still, <laughs> you know, it's just like, I don't know the, uh, to me, it's like a lot of people they're connecting very far apart. And I'm not a big fan of like long distance relationships. I'm like, you're right. basically a glorified pen pal. 
And right. it's just not going to work out at the end of the day right. you know, for most people. It, it could work out, but for most people. I've, see, I've seen it too. And do you have time to dig into the social media and, and yeah. dating through social media? Yeah. I, I spent some time thinking about this this past week. I did a live on using TikTok as a dating app. Um, I see the joke all the time of like, TikTok is the new dating app, you know, and, and you watch people's uh, videos that are like, Hey, I met this person and then I flew across the country to meet them. And then they ghosted me and didn't pick me up from the airport. Right. Yeah. Well, when it comes to social media, I I want men to understand this in particular, because you'll see those images posted on social media of like the guy is sending 15 messages in a row and she's not responding, but he's still persistent. It applies to that. Yeah. And any social media app can be used to build better connection, whether it's for dating, friendship, business, or uh, just to fill a need or whatever. But if you're looking for the relationship through the social media app, all you need to do as a man is like a few of the posts, friend request, and leave it at that. Mm -hmm. Because I guarantee you that um, because a, a feminine person who's looking for safety and security as a primary, uh, primary standard and value in their relationship, they're going to go through your entire profile and they're going to be like, who is this perfect stranger? Do I feel safe? And if she feels safe and if she's interested and if it aligns, she'll reach out to you in kind, either like liking a few posts back or she'll send you a message. And that's all you need to do when it comes to social media. If your intention is to date. That could work. Uh, you know, I have a friend uh, who's been on the podcast numerous times and he he's a professional dating coach. His name is Benny. He's out of Georgia and he actually teaches a whole program to men on how to pick up women on Facebook. Basically, he calls it Facebook game. And the way he teaches guys to do it, it, it actually is pretty genius, is uh, basically like go through your local area because you can like search your local area and you know and you can also one of the best things about facebook is you can you know preview their life a little bit you know you can sort of qualify them you know and a lot of people put their uh, relationship status like publicly like i'm single i'm married or whatever so you can go through and go okay yeah she's single she looks cute she looks like she's into the same stuff i am add as a friend mm-hmm. and you can just you can go through and add like there's like a limit that you could do sure but, but he's sure. Like, he's 50 like, a day or something like that. Yeah. He's like max it out. So, <laughs> so basically uh, you do that. And then out of like, you know, let's say 50, you might get 20 that will accept your friend request. And then you wait like another week and you start seeing their stuff like coming up in your feed and stuff like that. You wait about a week, then you start messaging these women. Uh, but the way you message them is not like creepy. It's, you know, what you do is you just send them a quick video message of yourself because that's pretty bold. A lot of guys mm-hmm. don't do that. Yeah. And all you do is say, Hey, Lindsay, uh, mm-hmm. this is Paul, your random Facebook friend. I saw you in my feed today. I thought I'd just say hello. I hope your day is going well. That's it. Mm-hmm. Right. You're not asking anything from them. You're not telling them how cute they are, how, you know, mm-hmm. like simping over them. And out of those, messages, you might get like five replies. Yeah. And thanks, but no thanks. Or, 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 or or they just don't reply at all or whatever. mm -hmm, Who are you? They're very curious. A lot of women though are like, Whoa, who's this guy Mm -hmm. sending me a video message? Nobody does that. And, uh, but it's, it's essentially a 
dating sales funnel. And, right. uh, but it numbers, works, a numbers game. Yeah, it, it really is. And, but, it, but all the guys in his program are just getting massive success with it. Mm. And it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing to me, you know? Right. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it can work. I, and I feel like Facebook, uh, and I think you can do it with Instagram too. Uh, it's really good for that. Cause you can filter it down by a local area, but like TikTok, it's a little bit harder to do that, you know? Right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, hearing that description and and understanding that you're pretty in depth knowledge about the nice guy syndrome. When you send a video message that's not clear and direct with your intentions, does that bring up some nice guy stuff for you? Because it did for me. No, not uh, not when it comes to specifically the Facebook game, because that one is very much like. Uh, women get creeped out real easily with, with messages. It's, it's a lot different than approaching a woman in the store and chatting her up and then asking for a number or something like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So if you want to put it in those terms, sending that, that message without being clear in your intention is a lot like uh, testing for interest in in dating essentials for men, right? Like Uh you're, you just go up and say, you know, at the supermarket, how, how, Hey, do you know anything about bananas? Like, how do you pick a right banana? It's it's just an opener, right? Just to, to test for interest, in, and yeah. that's really all that is. So I don't I don't look at it like not being direct because you can eventually get direct. Uh, yeah, but it's right. a lot slower of a process on a dating or on a social media, I guess. Yeah, I totally understand that. Uh, thanks for clarifying that. Um, I can I can sit with that uh, that feedback over here. Um, and understand why for myself that nice guy syndrome showed up for me. And it's something I'm focusing on is like being more direct, being more clear about what my intentions are. I'm currently not dating. Mm-hmm. And so I want to do that in my business. And oh, okay. on TikTok, when women reach out to me, because they do. Mm-hmm. Um, my man. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Uh, that was a, that was a, a subtle brag there, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> no, that's <all> right. <laughs> you know, just, just being really honest with them and saying, Hey, thanks for connecting. Um, yeah. I really, I really liked looking at your, or just thanks for connecting. I want to be really clear as we message here on the app. Yeah. I'm not currently available for dating. However, mm-hmm. I am available for my coaching business. Here's, mm-hmm. here's a little bit about what I'm passionate about in my coaching business. Do you know anybody that's the right fit? I would love an introduction. Yeah. Here's a link where they can learn more information. That to me is like direct and clear, but also being kind with another person of like, hey, I, I do find you attractive. Right now I'm not available for dating. Yeah. I'm going to be really clear. My intentions here on TikTok are to build my business and to help serve other people so that they become better, uh, having better experiences while they're dating, no matter what their intentions. But you know, it's really well received overall uh, when I yeah. get super clear and direct. Yeah. Do you get a Do you get a lot of thirsty gals though in the in the comments? Because or in the in the in the DMs? Because I would you know, imagine I, if 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 my videos <laughs> were more on, because uh, you know, your videos are a lot like you know you're on dating apps and you're you you know or you're you're doing a lot you do a lot of voiceovers lately. And you did one about being on hinge or whatever that I thought was hilarious. So you don't like hinge. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I just, I just love the comedy aspect to really connect with people in a yeah. relatable way. I know what you're saying. Like there's a couple times when people are like in the comment section, Hey, date me, I'm available, you know, and pick yeah. me. And I think that that's a lot of fun. And then when it comes to the direct message, you can tell right away, like they're not asking me about coaching services. Yeah. They're, they're being, um, flirtatious and they're like, Hey, where are you from? You know, uh, I noticed your daughter in that picture. Um, tell me more. And that's when I set the boundary of like, Hey, I don't want to waste either one of our time. You know, I could easily get bogged down in the direct messages with, with how that TikTok, um, kind of an, I'm overwhelmed with the explosion. I'll just be honest with you. Like, okay, I did, I did not anticipate hundreds of thousands of views in a week. Right. Yeah. You you just cannot expect that. And then when you, when you have the influx of the messages, you're like, I I can't spend my time being the nice guy with these women in my inbox, just hoping they'll hire me. No, I got to be more direct and clear earlier on. Yeah. And that's, what's coming up for me now that we're talking about it. Got it. Uh, You know, talking about being real direct and clear specifically with like dating and stuff like that. Have you read the book mode one? Mm, I haven't. No, that one uh, I haven't, it's in my list, but a lot of guys um, in the 3% man Facebook community recommend it. And it, that book is all about just being direct. Mm-hmm. Just, this is what I want. Right. And uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming that he has some, uh, some better strategy there. Cause I feel like that might not come across well with a lot of people, you know, <laughs> but, but his yeah, is very much like, this is my intention. I, I hear what you're saying. And yeah. we can, we can tie this whole conversation together as far as attachment styles go with being direct. Yeah. Uh, what, what direct will do is it builds that earned security that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. When I'm direct, I am more secure and confident when I approach dating and my avoidant tendencies show up less mm. when, when my avoidant tendencies are there and present and I'm struggling with them while dating, I'm not clear. I'm wishy-washy and I'm wavering. And that is not an attractive energy no. to, to bring to the table when you're trying to date in the modern era, because women and their subconscious and their intuition is on point. Yeah. They, they pick up on that wavering <clears throat> attitude and if I'm fluctuating between these uh, attachment styles, yeah. they pick up on it and it's either going to attract somebody that doesn't vibe with my energy or attract the wrong person or attract that person with um, trauma like we were talking about in their past. And Dr. Glover recommends don't be the nice guy and don't try to save that person with trauma, right? Yeah. Well, shoot, if I'm direct and clear and set healthy boundaries that are great for me right now. I, like you've talked about enjoying your experience so much more. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And and when you, you're talking about Dr. Glover and like being direct, uh, and then also going back to like the Facebook game and stuff like that, that the way I like to practice what he talks about a lot is just in like the setting up of the date, you know, Mm -hmm. and we talked, we've talked about that before. Don't ask. Right. Right. Yeah. I tell them like, (laughs) well, I mean, I'll ask them when are you free, but I'll have a plan in mind and I'll say, okay, great. Meet me here at this time of mm-hmm. this day. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's a very direct way of, you know, telling them to meet you in person. And like they, they do respond very well to that type of directness for sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a fantastic point to tie everything together. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's, let's go to the experts, Dr. Glover and Corey Wayne and other experts on attachment theory and be like, what are they recommending? Because I'm struggling over here and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, de- I definitely defer to the experts on all that stuff. And speaking, and speaking of experts, uh, what's, what do you have, do you have any book recommendations on attachment styles yeah, that we uh, can tell people about? Yeah, I'd be happy to, uh, attached by Amir Levine, uh, is a great recommendation. That's a, that's a primer, you know, something that's going to give a broad overview. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Stan Tatkin writes wired for dating. Uh, he comes, he comes from an approach of psychobiological approach to couples therapy. That's his, um, foundational principles. Mm-hmm. And he's tying attachment theory in with our biology that attracts people to each other. So okay. when you're talking about, when you're talking about atomic attraction, I can respect the principles and biology that we have as humans, but we also have to adapt it to what's 2021 like in our lives. And that's how attachment theory and and biology come together Mm -hmm. to understand why we're attracted to one another. Got it. Okay. So it's attached and wired for dating. Yeah. Those are my two recommendations. I'm going to have to add those to my, my, my list is redonkulous. Um, But I love it though. I like, I don't know about you. I, I'm an audiobook guy. And so I, I like listening to audiobooks when I'm like driving in the car, if I'm I'm out on a run or I'm at the gym. Mm-hmm. I'm not one mm-hmm. of those people that likes to listen to a lot of music when I'm at the gym. I'm, I'm listening to audiobooks. Yeah. I'm a total nerd that yeah. way. But I'm the same. I'm the same. Um, yeah. I just downloaded Dopamine Nation. Oh, okay. Um, that, that's my month, uh, monthly book club book um, through my men's group. And uh, just finished essentialism, and okay. those principles can apply to dating as well. Okay, essentialism, and, and what was the other one? Uh, dopamine nation. So all about addiction and how social media can can um, prime the dopamine necessity, like the need for more dopamine. Yeah, you know what's funny too about that is like uh, you're talking about. And I did want to go get back on this real quick, uh, and then we'll we'll wrap up here because mm-hmm. we're we're mm-hmm. Uh, like at an hour. But um, you talked about avoidant attachments and how people with anxious attachments will send like a million message messages, but the avoidant attachment like might not respond for a couple hours, couple days, and stuff like that. And it's funny because when that avoidant person sends that text message, the the anxious person is going to get that dopamine hit when they get that text message. And the funny thing about that, when you were saying that, um, I used to be the anxious texter and learning uh, what what I refer to as mirror game, mm-hmm. where you're, you're texting, but you're matching and mirroring people's effort, uh, taught me to not be so anxious when it came to texting. It taught me to, instead of reaching to reply back right away, set a timer instead, mm-hmm. go about my life. And then like I, I just out of habit started doing other things instead of texting all the time. Right. And the funny thing about that is uh, I've, you know, Corey Wayne talks about it. Uh, Dr. Glover talks about, you know, keeping texting to a minimum between days and stuff like that. But that avoidant texting style is actually comes across as more attractive, you know, but if you're like anxiously, you're always the one that 
sends it back like immediately. Someone takes like five hours and you immediately reply back. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether sometimes it's conscious, sometimes it's unconscious, but people look at that as like, whoa, this person, was he just waiting all day for me to text them, you know? And, and that comes across as very unattractive. So learning to break yourself of that habit, being a little more avoidant, like in a healthy way, I would say when it comes to texting is probably smart. (laughs) Yeah. I I hear you describing earned security in that, in that scenario a lot. Uh Uh-huh. An avoidant attachment person might be two hours to 12 hours to 24 hours mm-hmm. uh, in replying to text messages. A dismissive avoidant would be more like two days, right? Oh, yeah. Or they're just not interested. You right. know, like what I, what I want people to be mindful of in everything that we're talking about today is that we don't want to create stories that narrate somebody else's life or their experience or make excuses for their behavior. Mm-hmm. We, we simply just want to label it, name it, and then address it so that we can either calm that anxious attachment, earn security in a relationship, or focus on, um, focus on being aware of our avoidant attachment style. And what that looks like is, hey, I noticed it took you a couple days to get back to my invitation to lunch on Saturday. I feel as if you're not interested. Is there any truth to that? Mm. And you're labeling it, you're naming it, and you're saying, hey, I'm actually experiencing some anxiety over here without actually saying that, but you're saying it in a secure way. Okay. Of like, hey, I'm noticing this. Yeah. (laughs) What's behind that? Have you done that with uh, like dating and stuff like that? Yeah. Do women respond well to that? Yeah, I'll give you an example. I dated a dismissive avoidant, you know, that's just the behavior. I'm not yeah. saying that she was because she had just gone through a divorce a few months, eight months before we met. Right. And we dated for a couple months and the, the tendency was the same over the couple months. And I learned a lot by that of like, how, what was coming up for me? Why was my anxious attachment style being activated here? Because normally I'm a pretty secure person. And then we stopped dating and I waited a few weeks and I jumped back on hinge. And I match with this girl, super cute, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm curious. I'm interested here. We message right away on a Saturday. And then I didn't hear from her for a week in response to my message. And it was Saturday the next week around the same time. And then we exchanged one message each. And then the next Saturday was the same pattern. Yeah. And after the second Saturday, I'm like, first of all, I don't want to waste my time. I've already moved on. Yeah with other options in my life, whether that's jujitsu or business or my daughter or whatever. Yeah. So I labeled it and I said, Hey, I've noticed that you reply back to me on Saturdays around the same time that I feel as if you're not interested in getting to know me and that you're not available for a date. And her response was immediate. Like, Oh no, no, no. That's not the truth at all. And then I saw that response. I'm like, okay, I'll give this person the benefit of the doubt. I respond back. 15 minutes later or something like that. Yeah. Never heard from her again. <laughs> and so okay. what we can, what we can understand from our point of view and from our experience and not trying to figure out what the fuck is going on in her life. Cause that right. doesn't Who, matter. Yeah. Not, not your problem. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to make the best decision for myself from a securely attached place and say, you know what? That behavior does not serve me mm-hmm. and it does not make me feel very good. Yeah. Am I ever going to speak to this person again? Fuck no. 
I have uh, there's some guys on the three percent man page. They have a, a, a very similar technique, uh, but it's a little more funnier. I get more funny. I guess they would say uh, if it, if a chick was like not responding after you know a week or two, uh, they wouldn't just disconnect with them. They would you know wait a couple of weeks and they would say. Uh, you know, I'm usually into people that are a little more responsive. Should I consider this, uh, you know, the next step is, uh, us filing for divorce or something. And, and then they always get like a response from that. And, and I'm like, to me, I feel like that would be a waste of time at that point though. Like to, to try to rehook someone like that, but totally uh, agree, but it totally works, for agree. Them, works for them. Like, and the, the way I look at all this stuff is, mm-hmm. does it work for you? Are you getting yeah. results? Sweet. Then, <laughs> then do it. Do that. Yeah. What, what I want to ask a person who like wants to spend time with somebody who ghosted them or spend time raising the dead. Yeah. What I want to ask them is like, what need is there behind you reaching out to somebody you haven't heard from in a couple of weeks? Yeah. What need are you trying to fill here? And that's where the good stuff is. You know, that's where the true self-awareness and personal growth lies is within the shadow. Mm of like the need is in the shadow and your behavior of reaching out to somebody a couple of weeks later after no response whatsoever, your, your job is to go look at the shadow and say, what is the need here that's being fulfilled? God, now I'm going to have to look into the shadow work, man. <laughs> so if you, if you guys are looking for a good resource on the shadow, my coach's name is Connor Beaton. Mm-hmm. Uh, he runs man talks. Uh, it has over 2 million downloads on podcast mm-hmm. and uh, I've been with him for 18 months and, and he's always bringing on new men. Um, I encourage every man out there to get into a group. Um, and this one has been feeling like home for me for the last 18 months, ever since shelter in place happened. And even if you don't join his group, still his knowledge about shadow work and on mm-hmm. Instagram is a great resource for men who are looking for more information. That's awesome. Awesome. Um, all right. So attachment styles, anything we missed? Did we catch it all? Is this Man, the master I, class? Like we can write a book from this episode. <laughs> I, I've, I feel like we could speak for three years on attachment theory and not touch on everything that's necessary to know. Okay. Well, I, maybe we gave them at least uh, enough and then they can go read uh, attached and wired for dating and maybe get a little more information out of it. You bet, uh, man. Um, all right, Dave, where, where can people find you online? Shoot. Since my Instagram handle got, uh, disconnected and deactivated last week. Um, let's do TikTok. Uh, Dave.glazer, mm-hmm. uh, is my handle and, uh, there's ways to engage with me there. Um, if they're looking for group coaching, then, uh, the challenger podcast.com is probably the best place to do that. All right. I'll put both of these these in the, in the description, the show notes, Dave, this was awesome, man. This was awesome. I'm, I'm definitely going to read these books because this, this is way more in depth than I thought we would ever get into. Cause I was writing these notes down. I was like, I, hey, man, I hope we can fill up in like at least 30 minutes with this, but yeah, no, we, we blew past that. Good stuff. This is really good. My, pl- my pleasure, man. It's always a good time to talk to you. Yeah, man. Keep in touch. Yeah. Likewise. Dave, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's sort of been a whirlwind these past couple of weeks <laughs> with being on your podcast and doing lives and you coming on my podcast, but I absolutely appreciate it. You're a great guy. I really like your insight. I like, I could, I could tell how professional you are 
at, uh, you know, your coaching and stuff like that, because whenever I talk to you, you're always like, okay, I hear you saying this. And I, and I just, on the inside, I sort of crack up, but I, I actually appreciate it. And I think it helps move the conversation along. And I like, uh, that you're being an active listener, <laughs> especially to my, my goofiness. So anyways, talking about attachment styles. I appreciate it. You're welcome back anytime. And I'll see you around on TikTok. And for you guys at home, we'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to Come On Man. If you are new to the podcast, I highly recommend reading How to Be a 3% Man by Corey Wayne at least 10 to 15 times. I recommend you watch his coaching videos on YouTube. And I recommend that you engage with other 3% men in our 3% Man Facebook group. Links to all of these are in the show notes. If you like this episode, please give us a good rating on your favorite podcast platform of choice and share with all of your bros. Now go out and get it.